you know, I kind of, I kind of let the people do the talking um, as it related to whether I thought Christianity was something worth exploring um, rather than um, letting the gospel do the talking. Um, that was a sort of a slippery slope. And, you know, I, I would say if you um, set aside the gospel and set aside what the Bible says and just base your life, your, your belief on Christ, about Christianity on just what you see coming out of the lives of Christians, unfortunately, I think you can find out, you can justify pretty much any worldview. Um, that you really want to based on what you see Christians doing. Hello, and thanks for joining in. I'm Jana Harmon, and you're listening to the Side B Podcast, where we listen to the other side. Each podcast, we listen to someone who has been an atheist and also been a Christian. Through listening to their story, we listen to both perspectives from someone who has thought and lived on the other side. At different points in our lives, we all ask the big questions. Who am I? What am I doing with my life? What am I pursuing or not? What's wrong with me? What, if anything, can make my life better? Where am I looking for answers? Am I looking in all the wrong places or am I on the right path? How can I know which way to go? Who's telling the truth? Who can I trust? We ask the questions, but that doesn't mean we really are looking for answers. But sometimes difficult circumstances force our hand and cause us to take a closer look. They prompt us to stop and ask the big questions, to actually search for answers. Suddenly all the temporary noise and busyness and distractions are removed. We look more closely at ourselves and our lives to not only ask probing questions of ourselves, whether we've been pursuing the right path, but also to find answers in order to make sense of our lives. Life interruptions can also make us wonder whether or not there is a God. Is God the key that can help us answer our big questions? Is He real? Can He be found? Does He have anything to say that can help us make sense of our lives? Our podcast guest today, Jeremy Evans, had a devastating circumstance that caused him to take a closer look at his own life to see if atheism held the answers he needed or whether he should look for something else, something different, something more. Come along with me to listen to his story. Welcome to the Side B Podcast, Jeremy. It's wonderful to have you with us today. Morning. Thank you for having me. As we're getting started, Jeremy, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I am from uh, Pekin, Illinois, which is a little town outside of Peoria, and uh, currently reside in Evansville, Indiana, um, with my wife and three kids. Um, My kids are nine, seven, and six, um, and I work for a a Christian nonprofit organization here in Evansville that does neighborhood revitalization and work with kids and families to try to uh, connect them to God's will for their life and help them be successful and self-sufficient. Sounds wonderful. I'd love to hear more about that perhaps later as we're um, talking about what you're doing now. But let's let's, uh, get started back at the beginning of your story, because I know that you weren't always interested in 
um, Christian ministry for sure. You you were a long way yeah. from that. So, uh, as a, I know that you were a former atheist, and I want to know how that really birthed in you, what your beginnings were, uh, how you grew up your, with your family and and their view of God and how that informed you. Yeah, so um, I'm the eldest of three sons in my family. And um, I remember at an early age uh, not going to church. Um, and I remember my dad's father, my grandfather, um, taking me to church um, uh, at a very young age. Um, separate from the rest of my family. And um, I remember uh, it was it was the kind of church experience where, you know, they would give the kids a, a something to doodle on. And then eventually they would bring the kids up to the front and the pastor would talk just to the kids for a little while. And then they'd send the kids off to Sunday school. Um, and I remember uh, kind of being a ham, uh, which is kind of how I grew up. Then the next real experience I remember of church um, was uh, a Baptist church in our hometown in Pekin that we got involved with primarily because of sports. Um, so I remember um, my brothers playing in basketball tournaments. Um, I remember, um, it's a funny story, my dad actually coached me and my brothers um, in baseball uh, growing up. And I remember the only time my dad got thrown out of a baseball game was actually by the pastor of that church. Oh, um, He was the okay. umpire and he threw my dad out. And I, I remember thinking, this is <laughs> that's a substantial moment when your pastor throws you out of a baseball game. Yes, uh, yes. But, uh, you know, I would say in childhood, only ex real experience of church was um, connected to sports um, and then, um, you know, grew up, uh, was in high school and then college. And in college, it was really interesting mix because I um, attended a Christian music festival called Cornerstone in Illinois. And I, I had friends who were connected to, to, to faith. Um, and I remember that vividly, but then kind of. Um, moved away from those um, friend circles and ended up in a circle of people who I wouldn't say were hostile to faith, but just really didn't care. It just really wasn't um, a significant part of that group of friends' lives. Um, and so um, I remember being um, sort of swayed, not necessarily in the direction of atheism, but just kind of away from things of faith um, through that time of my life. Um, and well, Je Jeremy, as you, were as you were growing up, you know, all the way through high school, because a lot of people, especially through their teenage years, start to question or what is church or who is God and what is all of this? Did, did you, did you have any belief in God as you were, I mean, you were going to church related activities, but was there anything personal about God to you at all? Or was it just kind of in the periphery of what you were doing? Um, in sport. Yeah. So, um, I would certainly say nothing like what I have now. Um, nothing even close. Um, my parents, um, for better or worse, just didn't, we just didn't go there. We just didn't talk about, um, faith related things. Um, we, we didn't get the opportunity to deal with, um, big picture questions about life and death. Um, and, but, but there was never any kind of, here's what the Bible, the Bible wasn't part of our lives growing up. We didn't, um, it just wasn't a significant influence, if that makes sense. And so, no, there was no personal connection to it at all. It was very much something that was just in the periphery um, and, uh, you know, never had a, never really had an experience that I could draw on in my childhood and say that it was a sort of a formative spiritual experience. Although you did, you did have some Christian friends. Were, were they what you would consider to be 
Would you would you say that those Christian friends took their faith seriously? I think it was more of a social structure than anything else. Um, hmm. Heavy focus on music, and I had several friends who were in Christian bands, and um, you know, walking through that particular cultural landscape, um, I, I would say it was more of a social focus than anything. I, I wouldn't. Um, it was more of a it was more of a let's get together, let's hang out, and this is kind of a unifying bond between us. But I. I don't remember any significant Bible studies. I don't remember any significant, again, formative experiences um, that uh, drew all that together. It was more just something to do. Mm. So it was really more of a non-issue in your life, it seems, until you got to college and then you started kind of leaving whatever that social construct was, Christianity yeah. or God, and started get be- becoming acquainted with perhaps some other ways of thinking you know, that's what you do at university, right? You, you yeah. meet new people, you, you encounter new ideas and tell me about that time in your life. Yeah. So, um, I would, uh, unfortunately, uh, given the current cultural landscape, I would draw, um, I would draw some of this almost back to politics. Um, I remember, um, sort of the Bush v. Gore, um, uh, Supreme court case, um, as having really impacted me, Towards a more liberal way of thinking um, and and a, a more liberal way of processing the world, um, and I really tied those sort of political ideas to my sort of personal beliefs about the world, um, and so started to explore what more liberal voices were saying. And um, I, I'll go back to again, got married during this process, and um, the individual that my first wife, so she we're now divorced, but my first wife. No religion, no real connection to religion in her life, her family, no real connection to religion in her family. And so that was, um, you know, sort of a form that was a formative experience in terms of uh, getting married to that person and, and sort of almost affirming that idea that you can live sort of independent from these things. Um, and as I uh, continue to explore um, those more liberal ideas, um, sort of found myself drawn to the idea that Christians could be sort of lazy um, in terms of their intellectual thinking and processing. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I was heavily turned off by the idea that a Christian would say that something was a mystery or that God was mysterious. It felt very much like a cop out to me. Um, and so started reading um, Dawkins, started reading Harris, um, Letter to a Christian Nation was an uh, important book for me during that time. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, I would say it was more accidental than anything, but eventually started to call myself an atheist. Mm. Accidentally. Yeah. I, 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 it's funny because the, the end of the story kind of goes the same way for me. I, I don't, I wasn't a part of Facebook groups. I wasn't out bragging about it or, you know, trying to convert people or anything. It was more just that, um, on analysis and on reviewing the available information, I had sold myself that bill of goods and said, this is how it's going to be. Um, and so I think almost because faith was not an important factor, um, it almost felt like atheism was just as not an important factor in my life because um, I just, it was the, the whole idea of faith was just so foreign. So as you were embracing somewhat, I guess, intellectually, but perhaps not in, in a truly embodied way, this, this atheism that you had intellectually assented to. Um, what, uh, obviously there's some very strong 
ideas in those books in terms of what God is, what what uh, religious faith is? Were you uh, being informed about God and Christianity in those negative terms? I mean, was that something that became a part of your way of thinking and vocabulary about faith? Or was yeah. it just a kind of a, a non-issue you didn't really care one way or another about? Faith no, I think um, because of the political component of it, I became really convinced that um, that I could justify my beliefs about faith based on what I, on Christian misbehavior, uh, as it were. So, um, when I saw Christians doing and saying hypocritical things, when I saw Christians, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it felt like at the time, and we, we know this to be true that there, there's just, it's, you don't have to go very far without seeing a Christian leader sort of fail or fall or struggle with their own personal demons and individual issues. Um, and I let all of those things sort of justify my belief. Um, you know, I kind of, I kind of let the people do the talking um, as it related to whether I thought Christianity was something worth exploring, um, rather than um, letting the gospel do the talking. Um, hmm. so that was a sort of a slippery slope. And you know, I, I would say if you um, set aside the gospel and set aside what the Bible says and just base your life. Your, your belief on Christ, about Christianity on just what you see coming out of the lives of Christians. Unfortunately, I think you can find out, you can justify pretty much any worldview um, that you really want to based on what you see Christians doing. Yes, it does. It does. I mean, you can look at, like you say, you can look at any worldview and, and look at the, the warts and all as you, as you would uh, see them and, and then justify yourself or your own worldview. That would be an easy thing to do because we're all fallen people, right? Yeah. Um, uh, ideas aren't pure in, in a sense, but like yeah. I say, um, sometimes it's easy to look at the people who call themselves Christians and, and accuse God uh, yes. rather than like you say, looking at the gospel or the Bible. So if, if uh, so, in your mind, I guess Christianity and religion itself was really nothing but a social construct, as you mentioned earlier. Um, so it wasn't really much, much worth thinking about at that time. So as you're moving along and, and you're seeing that, that you know, atheism, you, you've kind of taken on that identity, you put on that hat. Um, how was that working for you in a sense that did you, did you, I, I know you read Harris and Dawkins, but did you really look into the the grounding for atheistic ideas or the implications of where those ideas go? No. And it's funny because when I was reading those sort of I, what I recognize as like the American pop cultural atheism books, um, I, I was feeding myself a line that well, I'm going to be um, more intellectual than Christians, and I'm actually going to seek out the answers for myself, and I'm going to actually uh, do the work intellectually to figure out the answers to these questions. And the reality was that I was just um, uh, sort of taking a, a very surface level dive into those issues, finding what justified me, and then moving on down the road. Um, and so um, I recognize that now, but at the time, it was... It, and and probably largely because it just wasn't a very important part of my life. As I said, it wasn't something that um, factored in in a deep way. And so I didn't feel a, a need or a connection to try to study that in a deep way. The other thing I would say is that, again, 
sort of driven by social constructs, I had surrounded myself in, at that point in my life with people who had similar beliefs and thought processes to what we're describing here. And so it was very easy to justify sort of a, a just going going about my business. And I, I was never really challenged by the people around me to think about things any differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is easy to do, isn't it? Unfortunately, and that, and that exists in the world today. You know, we tend to surround ourselves with that echo chamber of people who we know are going to speak and think and feel the same way we speak and think and feel because that helps justify us. Right. And helps us good about how we feel. Um, And, you know, even today I struggle with that. Yeah. I think we're all tempted towards that. So what, what was it then that, that, perhaps breached your life or caused you to, to stop and think a little bit more closely about your atheistic identity or worldview and perhaps become open to another perspective? Yeah. Um, so uh, Andy Stanley says that um, you can intellectual, this is a terrible paraphrase, but you can do the intellectual thing with someone who's not a Christian until you're blue in the face. But the reality is that it takes more than an intellectual approach to get somebody over the line of faith. It almost takes some sort of emotional catalyst um, to get them thinking differently about their life and about the world around them. And that was certainly true for me. I, uh, my wife at the time uh, left me and um, was uh, unfaithful. And um, that was sort of a shock to the system, right? That was a sort of a seminal moment for me personally, um, because I just... I, I, I was lost. I was completely shocked by that, completely blown away and really didn't know what to do. Um, and um, it really uh, turned my whole life upside down um, in, in a good way. Uh, you know, looking back now at the time, it didn't feel like a good way, um, but got me really thinking about everything in my life and about whether I was making good choices and whether I was um, spending time with the right people and those sorts of things. I, I can't imagine what that would feel like. I, I know that you, your life probably was turned upside down, inside out, and it caused you to really, I guess, stop and reconsider your, your life choices, your life perspectives, and, and really look more, more at yourself, I presume. Did that lead you towards thinking, well, maybe there's more to life. Maybe there's, maybe there's a God who exists. Maybe there's a better way to make sense of my life. What was it causing you to ask and ask those kinds of questions? Yeah. Um, I, it was everything. Um, I, I try to think about life then, and it's just really difficult to put in perspective even because it was just so wildly different. Um, but really, I think there was this foundation underneath me that I had built my life upon that these things are true, these things are not true, and this is how we're going to live. And it really all got blown up um, by this experience. And so uh, I um, really had to step back and uh, sort of live on my own or live with my own perspective um, rather than sort of cheating and taking some of those things for granted, if that makes sense. I'd like to pause from our story, then take a moment to tell you about another podcast from the C.S. Lewis Institute called Questions That Matter with Randy Newman. Every two weeks, Randy has a fascinating conversation with one of today's Christian faith leaders, and he talks with his guests about a wide range of discipleship topics 
from evangelism to growing in faith to talking about their recent books. You can find and listen to Questions That Matter by going to cslewisinstitute.org forward slash podcast categories. Now back to our podcast. So it was this, this, I guess, time in the wilderness, as it were, you know, when when your life is, like you say, kind of blown up and you're in this new place and you're trying to figure things out. Did, Did it cause you to just want to meet newer different people or reconsider your atheism or did you see a problem with the way that you were living or thinking or that caused you to reconsider your life choices perhaps you wanted to go a different direction i mean what what brought you towards reconsidering god well um certainly i would have to say that my life um was an important part of that conversation. So let me, if it's okay, let me kind of transition and talk a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Um, so my wife, Tara, uh, I met her, um, shortly after, um, my divorce and, um, she was a really interesting person to me. She, um, was, uh, a follower of Jesus and was very straightforward with me about that. But, uh, you know, Tara was, uh, sort of uncanny to me. Um, I, 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 that seems like a weird word, but it's really the only one I can think of um, because she challenged all my assumptions. Um, she was willing to invest in me relationally, um, regardless of my status, regardless of whether she felt like she was going to win me over or not. Um, and that was new to me um, in terms of communicating and interacting with Christians. Because with in my past history, it always kind of felt like with Christians, it was about putting one on the scoreboard, you know. Um, but this woman uh, was not about that. She was about knowing me and understanding who I was and um, coming to um, uh, uh, understand what I believed. And, you know, I remember on our first date, I was very straightforward with her and told her what I thought. And she was um, sort of open to discussing that and was sort of respectful to that. Um, which was all totally disarming and off-putting. Like I, I remember thinking, who is this lady? Like she's not following any of the rules. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, like it was, <laughs> it was, it was almost that, you know, and, and I think of it from the inside now, but it was almost that sweetness um, that we hear about and talk about when we think about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works on us and that sort of uncanny way that he has of, um, convicting, not condemning, and of helping lead us to the truth um, when it seems like nobody else can. And so, you know, I I know that God used Tara in in all of this and in in these challenging moments in my life to draw me closer to Him and to um, you know, ironically, uh, put one on the scoreboard and <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Um, because, uh, without Tara, I don't know that I ever would have, um, come to these conclusions on my own, if that makes sense. Mm. Yes. Yes. So she countered all the negative stereotypes you had of Christians. It sounds like. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, and brought plausibility perhaps, and an attraction towards Christianity that was, sounds like very unexpected. Yeah. I mean, so this is going to sound like a crazy thing to, um, to cite as a positive, but she just didn't want to argue about it. 
she 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 was open with me about her faith and 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 you know introduced me to her friends and I got to become part of her community of people. Um, but um, it was not a and so and the reason why we're doing that is because we want to get you from here to here. It was just a genuineness. It was a kindness and a sort of a willingness to invest that I personally had never experienced from Christians before, at least that I could say that I was sure of basically, or that I, that I knew of. Um, and that was sweet. Um, it was, it was exactly what I needed to feel safe and to feel the opportunity to start to explore. Um, and, uh, she was absolutely instrumental. So, um, through this process with Tara, I got introduced to her friend, Bob. They weren't pouncing on you as it were to try to make you a Christian. They actually gave you room and space and accepted you as who you were and gave you an opportunity to be with them and observe their, I presume, genuine Christianity. It sounds like um, they weren't necessarily trying to give you apologetic arguments or try to convince you. Um, that that you they were giving you uh, an example of embodied Christianity that sweetness um, they invested in you they were generous gen- generous towards you um, they wanted to know who you were which is I am sure that would have been quite surprising were you uh, I, it sounds like you were intrigued by who they were as people that 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 kind that goodness kind of open the door towards a more intellectual searching. Is that how you found it? I mean, absolutely. Yes. I mean, I, I, I think, um, the, their genuineness, um, and their kindness, um, was what helped me, you know, uh, it, we, I feel like as Christians, when we talk about, um, these sorts of things, we kind of take them for granted sometimes, but I know that I, that, that one of the things that we say as Christians that we want people around us to notice that there's something different about us. Right. Um, and I, I guess let this story be the, the proof in the pudding that that does actually happen. Um, and that that does actually make a difference because I noticed that there was something different about these people who I was being placed around. Um, and it was, it was attractive. It was something that I wanted to have, um, mm. um, started to, started to explore more. Good, good. So it gave you, in a sense, a plausibility of a, a life well lived, um, and so that you were willing to look behind the curtain, as it were, at the grounding for this life. So yeah, you you you're talking about someone named Bob. So I'm wondering yeah. who that <laughs> is, and and if he provides that uh, a little bit of the the next step towards an intellectual understanding of the grounding and truth of the Christian worldview. Yeah. So Bob is a good friend of Tara's and mine still today. Um, He um, is an apologist, I think is a good way to describe him. You just, he's a, he's one of those guys that you just got to know him to understand just how unique he really is and um, uh, was good friends with Tara at the time that we started to interact. And so was very intrigued by our relationship and also by the fact that I kind of called myself an atheist and he wanted to know more about that. And so we had the opportunity to interact on a number of occasions. And um, Bob was willing to walk through anything. Um, he was willing to explore and deal with and try to um, respond to pretty much anything that I had to say. And that 
uh, of course, was a big deal for me. Um, he really walked me through the historicity of the Gospels. Um, and so we talked about the stories about Jesus that didn't make any sense that they were written. Um, the ideas that, um, you know, there were people who had nothing to gain, who were telling these same stories and who were uh, consistent in the way they were telling these stories. And that really um, was deeply challenging to me and my worldview at the time. Um, I mean, it just, I can't even, I can't even articulate it. Um, and, you know, he uh, very gently and slowly walked me through those things, you know, would, would talk them through and would um, provide uh, input and guidance and all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, was just instrumental. Um, and again, like, sort of like to, to your point about allowing the space um, for those conversations to happen and for those things to be learned. And really, I would say too, um, to his credit, challenged me on this idea that I was going to be all intellectual um, and in a world where I had not really adequately explored the alternative. Um, and so I remember it very vividly. Uh, he and uh, Tara and I were sitting in a bookstore and um, he uh, was asking me why I wasn't stepping across the line of faith. And I said, well, I just don't, I'm not sure yet. I just don't know. And he asked me a series of questions. Um, and I answered uh, that I felt like all those things were true. And at the end of the conversation, he said, well, you know what, Jeremy, if I had a cross around my neck, I'd give it to you. You're a Christian. And he got up and walked away. Like it was this, it was this like movie moment where it's like, wow, okay, <laughs> now what do I do? And um, it was just fascinating that he was willing to invest the way that he did and sort of walk me across the line of faith in the way that he did. It was, it was uh, definitely a life-changing moment. Um, wow. So just to ahead. be clear, so there were, there was historical evidence that made it sound as if there was a solid historicity to this, these stories about Jesus, that there was mm -hmm. adequate evidence um, that the reliability of the text was solid and, and that perhaps the stories were worth believing. There, there is a sense in which you can believe the intellectual um, grounding, as it were, for the text itself, and that perhaps the stories did happen. But that's a very different thing than, you know, as Christians will say, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, you know, that that's a very different kind of thing that involves a life commitment. It involves your heart, your willingness to to give your life, as it were, to this person called Jesus. So. Did you, it sounds as if almost like you, he rushed you to the finish line, like, like the Christians you had talked about before who were trying to get a notch in their belt. Did it, did it feel that way? Or I mean, it almost like you, it sounds almost as if you had to catch your breath and then think, okay, what just happened here? Did I become a Christian? Was that my decision or his you know, that's what it kind of sounds like. What, so what it was it definitely, like? it was definitely that moment. And, and I will tell you to kind of encapsulate it in a way that made sense to me at the time. Uh, he challenged me to put all the rest of it aside, right? So I, I remember um, having a lot of friends who were gay, uh, still do to this day, and um, thinking the way um, uh, Christians treat homosexuals isn't fair. Um, and I remember having all those same political thoughts that I did um, when I was an atheist and thinking, I hate the way that Christians interact with all this. And I remember Bob saying, yeah, I understand all that. And that's completely fair. And we've earned our, we've earned our um, uh, reputation on some of those things, but for just for a moment, just put all that aside and talk to me about Jesus. And let's answer these questions 
about whether Jesus was was born of a virgin, died and was resurrected, claimed to be uh, God incarnate, um, and uh, died for my sins. And so, yeah, I get all that stuff. That piece to all that, that's all relevant. That's all valid. Those are important questions that you need to answer. But don't you feel like you owe it to yourself to answer them from the inside if you believe these other things are true? Um, and that was really the... Um, the defining that was the defining moment in all of it for me was to think of that was to think of all this through that same through that lens if that makes sense and that's what it made it feel that, that's what got me out of the the concern that this was all a a, a sales pitch right um, was because I was in in my own mind I was internalizing it and figuring it out for myself whereas you know given the perspective going forward I know now that it was um, God doing all that work um, and so that was that was the difference. That's what made the difference for me was setting all the rest of it aside and just answering these questions about Jesus. So Jesus was true, like true incarnate, and you were convinced that the resurrection and was valid and, and that his claims to Godhood were valid based upon his resurrection and all of that. So you you were convinced that that was true intellectually, but it was all also true for you in a sense that, like you said, he his death had some application to you personally that he saved you. I mean, that's what the gospel is, right? That yeah, that he, he came and and it's not just a set of intellectual or historical events that you believe happened in the past, but they're somehow, like you were saying, the supernaturally apply to you. Is that what you're trying to say? That 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 it really became very personal for you and you understood that and you understood what you were saying when you said, yes, it's true, but it's also, you know, personally, it's internally uh, true. Um, I would, so it's interesting, Jenna, I would say that was almost the afterthought, right? Like okay. the, 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 the process of sort of thinking it through, and I recognize the sort of silliness of all of this now down the road. And so forgive me, but the, in my mind, the process of thinking it through for myself and coming to these conclusions for myself and having all these answers that I went and got, you know, that that somehow uh, sort of freed me in this to be able to believe these things. Like that was what, that was what I was telling myself at the time. Um, and that was, you know, challenging w- without a doubt. Um, but uh, was was an important part of it for me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So that was that was kind of the the pivotal turning point for you, in which you you took off your atheist hat and you 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 took on an identity as a Christian. So tell me about your world after that. Um, did that become? Did that worldview become more grounded as you went on, or? Or just experientially, intellectually, in every way? How did that work for you? How did it change your life? How did you find yourself pursuing Christianity in a way that you hadn't before? Yeah, so um, interestingly, uh, in in accepting Jesus and accepting the truth of Jesus, uh, none of those other problems that I had went away um, or just Mm. sort of disappeared on their own, obviously. Um, those are all still things that I wanted to be able to process through and figure out. Um, and to this day, I'm still dealing with some of those things. You know, um, it became more natural at that point to think about this. So going back to the idea of, of it being related to social structures, it became very natural at that point 
to think of all this in the context of it as a social structure. So I uh, started to attend church regularly, um, got involved in volunteering at church, started to um, participate in small groups and um, thinking about my life that way, but also started to study more and try to learn more. So the way I met you, uh, Jana, I think was through the Unbelievable podcast. Um, and so shout out to our friends with Unbelievable. They um, were a really important force for me. Um, when I first started exploring this and when I came across the line of faith and wanted to learn more about um, what the answers to some of these questions were, um, uh, listening to Unbelievable made a huge difference for me um, because it, uh, it, it, it helped me answer a lot of questions and it gave me a resource to go to. And I felt like, you know, to the point about it being an intellectual process, I felt like they really paid homage to the debate and to the ability to um, go back and forth between different voices and hear different voices. You know, we just don't have that in American culture today. And so shout out to Justin uh, at Unbelievable because um, he made a big difference in my life um, as I started to try to learn more about what all this meant. I'd like to pause for a moment and ask you a favor. If you're enjoying the Side B podcast or find these stories helpful, would you please leave us a review and rating wherever you download these episodes? Your feedback helps other people find these stories, and we genuinely appreciate your support. Now back to our story. Yeah, that that for, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Unbelievable podcast by Justin Brierley, it's typically a conversation between an atheist and a Christian where they're discussing issues of culture, of of philosophy, of apologetics, of all kinds of things, but done, like you say, in a very diplomatic way, mm-hmm. usually. <laughs> so, <laughs> usually. Um, he, he, there's no better moderator than Justin Briley. So, so, so I, I presume that, that, like you say, as you were becoming more of an embodied Christian like your wife, Tara, and, and that group, that you were learning to see your life and see the answers to questions that you had about your life in a very different way. It's uh, because as you know, the way that you believe affects the way that you feel and the way that you live, your worldview kind of trickles down to your world as it were. So did you feel, I mean, moving from atheism to Christianity is a tremendous uh, transformation in the way that you look at the world. So, I mean, just the, the work that you do tells me, that you've made a fairly substantial transformation in the way you think, the way you live, and the way that you move in in uh, in your life. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, I boy. So that initial pro- one thing I want to mention is that initial process was led to a lot of questioning from non-believing friends um, who really mm-hmm. didn't understand. Uh, a lot of non-believing friends who felt like this decision I had made was a sort of a smack in the face of their worldview and their lifestyle um, and lost some friendships, had some relationships go sour over it and um, look back on that and hope to have opportunities to reconnect with those people eventually. Um, but, um, you know, I have worked in non- the nonprofit world my whole life and um, coming across the line of faith, the Christianity really um, fit in the context of everything I believed about the way the world ought to be. Um, through my experience with working in nonprofits. So that was very natural, I would say. 
um, and sort of made a lot of sense. And then ended up in this role that I'm in now where I'm actually able to live out my faith authentically every day. I'm surrounded by people who um, sort of believe the same things I believe, but want to use that belief to make a difference in the world and want to use the things that we believe to um, to to bring the kingdom here on earth. And so uh, that's, a, that's a big change for me and a big deal. And it's all been sort of self-affirming, like it's been this cycle um, that has helped me to grow. In the meantime, I've got my own kids now. And we have been able to um, address and talk about uh, issues of faith with our kids. And I, I, I think back on my childhood and about kind of what I missed and what I lost by not having faith in my life. Um, and, you know, one thing I know I'm sure of is that my kids won't have that experience that as best I can, as long as I have a voice in it, they'll be able to benefit from um, the experience of faith in Jesus um, throughout their lives. So um, it's been, it's been quite a transformation and, and, and living now and working now in this field where, um, I'm able to live it out every day is just a dream come true. It's everything I could have hoped for. Wow. That that's really wonderful. I'm going to play skeptic here for just a moment. Um, I can imagine some people are listening and saying, Oh, you know, you had, you had a bad thing happen in your life. You met a nice girl. You had some emotional needs. You just come off a divorce. You had a, a desire for social belonging, you know, and that kind of thing. How do you know that, that Christianity is true? You just move from one social set to another. How do you know that, that Christianity is real and true, that God exists and that Christianity is worth believing? Yeah. Um, it's a really good question. Um, I, um, I think that you can easily look at things like that. And I think to it, this is good. This is hard for a non-believer to hear. And, um, the, uh, that I don't, I don't know exactly how to process it. And so they'll have to forgive me, um, if they hear me say this, but the, the realization that it had nothing to do with me, um, that it wasn't me coming across the line, that it wasn't me deciding that these were the right answers, but that it was everything to do with what God was doing in me, um, is the thing that, uh, has catalyzed my faith and my growth and faith in Christ ever since that day. And so that day that I came across the line of faith, I wouldn't have told you that I thought that was true. Um, but I recognize now that it's not something I did and it's not something we do, um, that helps make the world work. I would also say, um, one of the things that um, I, I would always, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but one of the things I would always come back to Christians with was, well, you just answer everything with it's mysterious. And that's just a cop-out answer. You're just going to tell me God's God's mystery and we just don't know. And, um, you know, there are very real issues in our world that can lead us into a place of questioning God. Um, and, uh, you know, COVID is certainly a very good example of that um, this year. And then there have been times in my private prayer life where I've come to God and said, you know what, I don't like this and I don't understand what you're doing and I hope you'll help me understand. Um, but at the end of the day, what I've landed on there, sort of my my finish line on that idea that Christians seem hypocritical when they talk about things being mysterious is that if God created a world that Jeremy could understand all the ins and outs of, it's just not that impressive. If, 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 if the all-powerful creator of the universe built it in such a way that we could figure it out, big deal. Um, there better be some things that we don't understand. Um, there better be some things that our limited brains can't comprehend because otherwise it's just a movie that we wrote, right? It's just a story that we can write ourselves. Um, and that's just not all that impressive. 
Um, and so to those who would question and to those who are skeptical, I, I would say, um, uh, you know, I've, I've been there and I understand that perspective. And I would say, keep trying to learn and keep trying to grow. Um, and then to Christians, I would definitely want to say, build relationships. This is and build unconditional relationships with people, friendships where you're going to love them no matter what. And you're going to show them the love of Christ no matter what, because um, it's that diligence and determination that ultimately is going to surprise people and cause people to say, wow, this person seems different. Um, I just, the, the fact that she was not willing, I've got a picture of her sitting next to my computer here and I keep looking over at her. The fact that Tara was willing to um, commit to it being in a relationship with me, and maybe it wouldn't have been a longer term relationship. Maybe it just would have been a friendship if things had gone differently. But the fact that she was willing to love me and be in relationship with me, regardless of the outcome, made all the difference in the world. And so um, I would say to Christians, go find somebody that doesn't believe what you do and try to talk them into it. Try to bring them across the line of faith. Try to relate them into it um, and be kind to them and show them the love of Christ and show them what Christ has done for us. Um, because ultimately, I think that's the best. That's one of the best ways that we have to attract people to God. Yeah, that's certainly how God attracts us to himself is through his great kindness, yeah. isn't it? It leads us to to see ourselves in a way that we need him. So, wow, this has been really, really wonderful, Jeremy. You have walked us through your story. It's been a really great story because I think it in incorporates so many things that, that help us see that conversion is not just an intellectual idea. You know, it's, it's, it's a really fully orbed life conversion that, that there's so much involved and that, that we as Christians have an opportunity just by embodying our Christianity with grace and goodness um, and love that we can open the door towards uh, people. I love the word you, you use. You said safe, um, that, that mm. we can create a place of safety uh, for people to explore it without feeling like, you know, we are trying to pounce on someone to convince them, you know, that our way is the best way. Or, so, uh, you know, you, you have so much wisdom, I think, coming from both perspectives. And I think we have a lot to learn from your experience as an atheist as well as as a Christian. So thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you so much, Jana. Thanks for tuning in to the Side B Podcast to hear Jeremy's story. You can find out more about his nonprofit by visiting his website in the episode notes, as well as find a link to the Unbelievable Podcast as well. If you enjoyed it, subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and social network. In the meantime, I'll be looking forward to seeing you next time where we'll be listening to the other side.